Thank you for listening to another episode of Banecdotes. And I'm your host, Phil Paxton, and you're tuning in to this week's episode of Banecdotes, the only podcast covering all of Ontario's heavy music, such as screamo, hardcore, punk, metal, anything of that caliber. Don't forget to like and subscribe, rate and review, follow us on Instagram at Banecdotes, that's B-A-N-D-E-C. D-O-T-E-S. And if you want to be a part of the show, if you want to be featured, or if you want to be a guest, shoot me an email, banecdotes at gmail.com. And this week I have the one and only Bones Poli. She is the front woman of a sweet thrash band called Pisser. Uh, she's also a comedian and an activist in the St. Catharines Niagara community. She also used to run, she doesn't anymore. Uh, since COVID and whatnot, but she actually shut it down before COVID was a thing. We get into that a little bit, but she ran a DIY venue right out of her own home. She would literally throw shows once a month, um, which you'll hear how stressful and hectic it can be, even just throwing one gig in out of your house a month. Um, but I've played there. I've played there a couple times myself with both Hellbent and Sinner, and the place is great. She offers the best hospitality, sometimes does a, a barbecue, offering both uh, vegetarian and vegan options. Um, so, yeah, great person altogether. I'm really glad she joined me on the show. She was one of the first people I actually asked to uh, do the podcast with because um, – She's just such an interesting person, and, and you'll hear us get into it as we do. Um, yeah, so thank you for checking out this week's episode of Banecdotes. We're going to get things started off with Breaking Chains by Pisser here on Banecdotes. been it's so good to see you i can't even tell you the last time i've actually seen you i know i honestly can't remember either um yeah it's great to see you i'm, I'm good dude how are you good good keeping busy doing stuff uh yeah. so i've let the listeners know uh what you do uh, but tell mm -hmm. us in your words your role in the ontario heavy community 
Uh, well, um, I've played in a bunch of bands over the years and I've been booking and promoting shows for a long time. And I ran uh, two different house venues um, for a pretty good stretch of time in uh in st catherine's yeah i guess i don't know that probably sums it up i also do stand-up comedy not really related i guess it's kind of related i ran i ran a comedy show as well for a while not exactly heavy but it's a thing in the community absolutely (laughs) uh so yeah like you just mentioned i know you stopped even before covid but yeah you like you said you used to regularly uh regularly run a diy venue right out of your home called the temple Yes. What are some uh what are the some of the ongoing problems one would run into when running a DIY spot and uh how long were you doing it for? Uh I think I had the temple for about 6 years and I ran a venue before that called Red Light for 2 or 3 years. And even before that my first house show in the area was in Thorold at my apartment I lived in there but I only threw one show there and that was probably like 10 years ago. But I would say I was doing it consecutively once a month for at least like eight years, maybe more. Nice. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, uh, like and probably about once a month, give or take. But for sure, it's um, there's a lot of problems you can run into. I honestly would say the biggest problem is the bands themselves. Dealing with musicians, dude, fuck, we're fucked. We're fucking stupid. <laughs> Like trying to orchestrate a group chat between a bunch of bands, just figuring out who's bringing the drum kit is so much more difficult than anyone who doesn't play music could imagine. And you think you've got it figured out and then the bands all show up and there's no fucking drum kit and the show is about to start and you're like, okay, uh, yeah, shit like that happens all the goddamn time. So that's annoying. But I guess also just, uh, yeah, neighbors, obviously, um, at, at, at the temper at my first place the cube and then at red light the neighbors we had a lot of issues and the cops got called like pretty frequently um the neighbors at the temple were pretty chill i i got along with them pretty well uh but at least the ones directly to either side of me but i think there was people a little further away that still had issues once in a while there was some, we always tried to be done the live music by 11 but there was a few times we ran late or there was times when the after party would just rage on and the cops would for sure show up at like three, four in the morning when the yard's still full of people that are hooting and hollering and shit like that. So yeah, that's an issue. I guess like stuff getting broken, um, stuff getting stolen, which didn't happen too often, thankfully. Like we had a pretty good, pretty respectful community, but there was the odd time that shit would go missing. And there was that one show that a bunch of mics disappeared and, uh, like the community came together and a bunch of people donated mics to me. Like I didn't have to pay out of pocket to replace them or anything, which was amazing. Um, I did pay for a lot of stuff out of pocket. I mean, yeah, you don't make any money running a DIY venue. I don't know how many people r- realize that, but like if you're a good promoter and you're booking touring bands and you're running pay what you can shows, you're obviously going to give the bands all the money and often more. Like if I, if I ran a show and I only brought in like 60, 70 bucks and I've got, multiple touring bands on the bill of course i'm pulling money out of my own pocket to make sure they're getting paid enough to like at least get to the next city you know and and then i would hope that people would repay that kind of karma for me when i'm on tour and needing that sort of help and and they usually do i mean i think i think a good promoter just kind of you're putting your own uh word 
and reputation on the line when you book bands you're saying like i will take care of this it's my responsibility to make it a good show so if it's not then like then i'm gonna make sure that you you know are taken care of so yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> sorry that was like a big question to start with off the bat i'm like i could rant for hours about the amount of stresses but like ultimately so worth it so worth it yeah. uh it's just like feels so good to be um, just so heavily involved in such an amazing community and uh, you know to have that shit happen right in my home it's like I don't have to go anywhere I'm notoriously late for everything I was late for shows at my own house but at least I'm already <laughs> there you know right. um, <laughs> yeah I don't know yeah, ultimately it was all, all worth it I miss it I miss it so much for sure so the temple among most DIY spots are actually my favorite places to play. It feels like a house party, but there's live entertainment going on. It feels more of like a purpose than just like a, just like a show. Uh, what are some of your favorite yeah. acts that you managed to uh, get to play your house? Well, that's like picking a favorite child. They're all my favorites. That's fair. Well, what, was, what, would you say, <laughs> what would you say is the biggest band? What was, what was the, the Metallica of that, that came through? Uh, potentially fuck the facts. I would say, I yeah. mean, they're probably like the best known grindcore band in Canada. They're not even like just grindcore. They're such a, uh, they're just an, an enigma. They're just an amazing band. They're, they span so many genres. They've been around for so long. Um, they're super influential and super, um, yeah, just like really good people. And they've they've toured a lot. So I feel like they're really uh yeah they, they might be the biggest i don't know we also had child bite from detroit they played my inaugural show at red light and i was buddies with them i, I had met them when they were on tour with electric six and i told them i was planning on starting a venue and they were like yo we want to come play your first show so they did and they weren't on tour or anything they just fucking came to canada just to oh, wow. play my first show that's it and then they went turned around and went home and uh like they're they're a pretty big deal. Like they like King Bezo from the Melvins is in their music video, yo. <laughs> like they fucking yeah, they played my house. Uh yeah, who else? I don't know, Dead Quiet. Um had members from Barnburner, which is possibly my favorite band of all time. So Barnburner didn't play my house, but members of Barnburner did, <laughs> and that was like I was having a really hard time not totally fangirling out at that <laughs> show. I, I remember like at one point I was wasted and I pulled the singer up to my bedroom to show him all my barn burner merch. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so you play in a thrash band called Pisser. So tell me yeah. what's Pisser been up to over the course of the pandemic? Shit. Fuck all buddy. Ah. Uh, yeah, we, we kind of, right before covid we had already decided that we were going to take a brief hiatus anyway like outside of the pandemic we just all had a lot going on mm -hmm. um to begin with and then the pandemic happened and then we all kind of continued to have a lot going on so we've been talking we've like we've, we've met up a couple times and uh, outdoors of course we're all being super safe that's another thing um well obviously that's a thing but like we had talked about renting out the warehouse because that's something some bands are doing to safely jam at a distance. And I think 
chances are that's going to happen in the near future. I think we're finally getting ready to kind of get back into it. But I think we all kind of needed a break from like everything for a while. So, yeah, I mean, I've been writing a bit here and there. I'm sure we all have. I'm sure once we get together to jam, we're all going to have some ideas to throw at each other and, you know, pick up where we left off. Great. That's good to hear. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not originally from Niagara. That's right. Uh, and I know you've had a couple bands before Pisser. Tell mm-hmm. us about those bands. How did you get, how did you start playing music? How did you end up in Niagara? Uh, so I actually, um, I used to be a visual artist, still kind of am, but I was like really heavily into visual art for quite a while. And so I ended up going to school for art. I ended up going to Brock and that's what brought me here, which was so weird. I'm so not a university person i dropped out of high school you know i dropped out of elementary school then got my shit together went to high school then dropped out of that and then somehow i decided it was a good idea to go to uni- like what no i hate so i hated every minute of it but it brought me to the niagara region and i might not have otherwise wound up here so i'm like i'm glad i, I hated every minute of it but i'm glad i went and I, yeah i dropped out of brock of course but by the time i dropped out i was already in a band here and uh yeah and that was like I don't know. I always wanted to be in a band, but I always thought that I wasn't musically talented. And I think, I think anyone can learn anything, but I think some people are naturally gifted in certain areas. And so some things are easier for some people than others. And I think for me, visual art always came really naturally to me and music didn't really, but I was always so passionate about it. Like I've just been obsessed with music since I was a little kid. I grew up in a hick town up north, but I used to hitchhike to Ottawa as young as 13 to go to punk shows and like just, I've just been obsessed. So I used to always just wish I could be in a band. And then I realized one day like, oh, I can be, cause I can, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> like anyone can do whatever they want. You just have to do it. So I just had to, I just taught myself how to do vocals. I just started screaming in the shower and, um, you know, figured it out. And then, so my first, like, and then I jammed with a few bands here and there and started going to some jam nights, just at bars, just playing, you know, just, and I started learning like kind of every instrument all at the same time. So I'd go to a jam night and hop on the drums and play along to some fucking classic rock jams and whatever, learn some simple guitar stuff, learn vocals. And then, um, yeah. And then I actually met a guy at Brock. We took a music class. I took a couple music classes at Brock and, uh, I just saw this dude wearing a metal shirt and started talking to him and we hit it off immediately and decided to start Cunts Come Together. So that was that was my first band and I didn't start that until I, I was like in my 20s and I'm always so jealous of people who figured out when they were younger that they could just play music. <laughs> they were just like, oh, I, I, can, I can just do this. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm glad I came to it eventually anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you have a, and so your first band was Cunt Scum. Did you have yeah. a band uh, after that or is it just Pisser? Uh, yeah. And then there was Purebred Goat Show. <laughs> <laughs> we were like this experimental, uh, I guess we were kind of noise, kind of art rock noise rock uh expressionist weirdo bullshit and then there was uh 
So those were like my two main bands that I would say I was like actively a part of from the beginning to the end sort of thing. And then there was other bands that I kind of joined briefly. There was this one band called Some Kind of Wonderful in which I played theremin for a while. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, like a lot of weirdness, dude. I, it was funny. I ran into my buddy Maddie one day downtown and I was with a bud from out of town. And I'm like, oh, yo, this is Maddie. He was in who's in my old band. I'm like, oh, actually, he was in a couple of my old bands. Then we started listing the bands we were in together. Like, yeah, we were in Cunscombe together. We were in Pure Bread Grow Show together. We were in Some Kind of Wonderful together. Maddie goes, were you in Noodles and Fruit? And I'm like, oh, no, dude, I only ever played that one gig with you guys. He goes, we only ever played that one gig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, well, not, yeah, I was in that band. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> we had basically all my bands had like all the dumbest names ever that's great i think if there was a prize <laughs> for <laughs> consecutively dumbest band names <laughs> um what have been some of your favorite ontario bands within the last year or so what's caught your attention Within the last year. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. You're outing me for not having really paid attention to anything. Dude, I've been hibernating the whole pandemic. I just fucking, I had like, I've been dealing with a bunch of health problems and I also had to move. And um, I've just like, my, and my cat, my cat's dealing with health problems. I just have a lot going on over here, you know? I haven't been paying a lot of attention. I haven't been on the, on the interwebs a whole lot. I haven't really been talking to anybody. I'm trying to think. I'm sure I've seen at least, I've checked out at least a few things. Uh oh. Um, what's Davis's new death metal band? They're sick as fuck. Oh, uh, Last Wretch. Yeah. I just had oh, a man. I just had Finley on the show actually. Oh, they're that's exciting. I'm yeah. really excited. They're sick. I really, I really love like old school death metal. Um, and I don't really like a lot of current death metal bands. So. Uh, the fact that I like them is, yeah, it's a huge compliment. They're, they're super <laughs> sick. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, oh, of course, I got to give a shout out to Reality Denied, my drummer's other band. Yeah. They're super sick and super fun. Their, their album came out during the pandemic, right? Or was it just before it? I think, oh, it, came out, I think it came out just before the pandemic. I think it came out in right. February, no, January of last year. I think you're right. Yeah. And they just recorded another album that I have heard. So I can also attest to the fact that their newest album is sick. No one else knows that yet. Ooh, oh, it's going to find out soon. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know what? Uh, I, like, I, I don't chastise anybody who, who isn't necessarily uh, up to date with all the bands that are coming out of Ontario. That's kind of the reason why I made the show. It, it's really to showcase because there's so much of it coming out. Like it's, it's hard to get your grasp on it. Uh, so that, that's essentially why I'm making this show. So there's, there's no need to be, you know, judged or anything. We're all friends here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so you're a comedian. Uh, and comedy yeah. and music have always lived in a very parallel universe together. Whether it's the yeah. touring, uh, the constant grinding, or the late nights after a set. I often like to think of yeah. them as the, uh, from the same mom but different dad. Uh, <laughs> interesting interesting yeah no that's all true it's just something i hadn't really thought about before yeah what's it like stepping into both of those universes how would you describe the comedy scene in community or if there is one in ontario they're they're similar worlds but simultaneously very fucking different i think especially 
in the punk and metal scene, a lot of people are very, um, I don't know, woke, I guess, for lack of a better <laughs> summary. Like, they're just really concerned about, like, uh, being respectful of each other and, you know, thinking about your words and actions and how they affect other people and just wanting to be, like, mindful and respectful and considerate kind of people. Comedians, no, not, not so much. Uh, like, there's nice comics, but the scene at large is not very... Um, kind or like no one cares about your feelings no one fucking cares about your, you gotta be hard and I mean growing up in like the early Ontario like crust punk scene it's like I already kind of I mean I already built up a thick skin for sure so it's like I can handle it but I've I've seen a lot of people who can't and I think that that's unfortunate it's not a very welcoming scene and there's a lot of people who you know might be involved who aren't because it's just uh it can be very hostile but it's like anywhere like anything you find your niche and you find like there are good people obviously who are doing comedy and you find your buddies and you find your clicks you find your little pockets of the scene that work for you and you know like i there's so many comedians i absolutely love and adore and miss so so dearly and and the, like the cool thing about living in southern ontario for both music and comedy is that you can just gig pretty much constantly if you want to and like everything's so close together if you're living in any other part of canada for, to drive to another city is like at minimum several hours if not like a day or two or yeah. three but uh in southern ontario you can be in like hamilton london toronto fucking oshawa fucking Brantford, fucking you know everywhere within like an hour or two so it's like with comedy before the pandemic, I was gigging some weeks, like five nights a week. And, you know, it was cool because there's all these other comics doing that as well. And so you run into each other. It's like, oh, I see my buddy in Hamilton on Monday and I see the same guy in London on Thursday. And then I got him on my show in St. Catharines the next week. And it's like, so you do form a lot of good, like tight knit bonds with, with sick people and same with music, right? Same with touring in Canada. Like, and even, even at, like, even in the whole country, Canada's a big fucking country, but it's also not like it's it's uh, big space-wise, but not population-wise. So if you tour enough or you book shows for long enough, you eventually know like everybody, and you're running into the same people all the time. And you know, you see your buddies like on the other side of the country, and they just become like old friends that you kind of see on a like at least semi-regular basis. And um, yeah, so like I love that. I love that community. I love like just yeah making friends that you run into all the time and watching each other kind of grow as artists and supporting each other. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot of parallels. Um, I don't know, yeah. They're, they're both really weird. Comedians and musicians are very weird fucking people who are very difficult to, to work with. I would say comedians are even more difficult and frustrating to book than musicians, actually. Comedians are fucked. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've I've heard of that. Like sometimes their egos can get in their way. It's it's part of their act. Well, it can it can be right. I I would say ego, but I would say also just like eccentricities and like mental health issues. And I'm no exception. Like I think creative people tend to be like kind of kind of just kind of fucked up. You know, sometimes in a good way, sometimes not so good. Sometimes in a way that makes them difficult to wrangle when you're trying to organize a show. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that we're cut from a different cloth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so some comics are raunchy, some are offensive, some are just plain goofy. Uh mm -hmm. in a good in a good way. Uh how would you mm -hmm. stylize your stand up? 
it's all over the place, but it's very honest and self-deprecating. I think a lot of comics create a persona when they're on stage and um, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Some people do it really well and it's fantastic. But for me, it's just, I'm just myself and I'm basically just telling you kind of, it's mostly just stuff I don't like about myself, but then I find ways to laugh about it. I think it's cathartic for me. But I, uh, and I tell just like honest stories. Um, I remember talking to somebody once about how I wanted to kind of make comedy that was like more, I wanted to figure out a way to be more of an activist on stage without being preachy, you know? I don't want to get up there and be like, this is how I think you should be. But I also do want to make a positive impact on the world. And, uh, and then my friend pointed out that I do do that because I tell honest stories, but I talk about heavy shit. Like I have like a seven minute long bit about my abortion. And I think like stuff like that is important because I'm not only normalizing it and saying, yeah, it's totally fine to get an abortion, but also it's fine to talk about it. You don't have to be embarrassed about it. Like it's fucking shit happens. I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm glad that I did it, you know? Um, and I'm glad that we have access to that in Canada. And I think everybody should. But I don't make the bit about that. I just talk, it's just a story. It's just like, here's what happened. Here's what my abortion was like. And, you know, but, but in and of itself, just talking about it is saying all those things. It is saying it's okay to have one. It's okay to talk about it. Da, 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 da. And like stuff like I talk about mental health issues. I talk about suicide. So yeah, it's all honest. But at the same time, I guess it is kind of a bit like just sort of bringing issues to light that I think should be talked about more. Uh, and should just be normalized and destigmatized. Yeah. For sure. And definitely in, in, in a playful way, obviously. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I just got on stage and start crying. <laughs> uh, lastly, before we get into some anecdotes with each other, mm -hmm. what are your top five, or not maybe necessarily even top five, but what are some of your favorite all-time comedian specials? Hmm. So this is... I have to be honest about this. I, before I started doing stand up, I never watched it. Like, oh, really? I think ever. Growing up, I was not someone, I never really, I never watched television, like, at all. Like, I didn't grow up in a household that we, my parents didn't watch TV. I wasn't forbidden to watch it, but we just didn't feel like it. I was just running around outside my whole childhood. And then my whole teenage years, like, I dropped out of high school and I was just hitchhiking around and, like, home bumming it here and there. And, like, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't sitting around watching stuff and I never thought I would even do stand-up. It was really weird how I even like fell into it. And I mean, I love it so much, but it wasn't until I had started doing comedy and then people started asking me, who are your favorite comics? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I, haven't listened, I haven't listened to anyone. So then I was like, fuck, I guess I should listen to some comedy. So I finally sat down and checked out, checked out some comics in recent years. So I don't have those like classic old specials or whatever because I don't know but uh as far as current ones go Jen Kirkman's two specials on Netflix but especially I'm gonna die alone and I feel fine oh so good resonates <laughs> with me so hard Chelsea Peretti I love everyone knows her from her character on Brooklyn Nine-Nine but like her stand-up comedy holy shit so good she's fantastic she's also just uh she also did a lot of writing on uh uh parks and rec mm -hmm. so, so like so like she's a bit of a jack of all trades totally yeah yeah she's brilliant she's she's one of those people who does put on a persona 
her stand-up comedy and and obviously her character on um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine are very like just super bitchy but like in real life she's apparently a super nice person oh I imagine <laughs> so and like people like other comics always comment on that they're like I was surprised when I got to know her and she was really nice I feel like people say that about me too actually I've <laughs> <laughs> I find a lot of people tell me that they were really intimidated by me and they were surprised by how nice I was <laughs> when they got to know me. I mean, that's fair. I think I take that as a compliment. I would take it as a compliment. <laughs> I mean, you have, you have to consider that your your name is Bones, so right True. away some people are definitely <laughs> going to, you know, that you're they're absolutely right. You're, you're a fantastic person. That's part of the reason oh, why you're, you. on, you're on the show. Some anecdotes. Someone tell okay. me some of the wildest stories from either being on the road, in the studio, or anything in between. I like was just thinking about this yesterday and made some notes. <laughs> awesome, perfect. What what did I write down? Oh, 
First and foremost, I wanted to address, I did listen to your first episode of the podcast, by the way, with Nick. It was great. Thank you. Hi, Nick. If you're listening, great to hear you. (laughs) I wanted to address your description of Fatal, of Trackside, because I thought it was just so funny. And I think we have such an insanely disparate uh, perception of that place (laughs) 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 i i've been hanging out at fatal since um my teen years or at least early 20s and when i found that place i just fell in love with it i was like this is a home away from home you guys found it and you're like this is terrifying i'm gonna get stabbed (laughs) i i warmed up to it pretty quickly but uh and i think breezy was okay with it but nick is Nick's a Nick's a hermit, like he doesn't do much outside of just like recording a lot of bands. So taking uh-huh. him outside of his comfort zone and putting him somewhere like Fatel was definitely uh, enough for him to bring it up on the show, at least. <laughs> <laughs> for the listeners, you guys, you guys said I think people live there. So yeah, people live there. It's a it's a cluster of warehouses that have been turned into a DIY crust punk commune. And it's been there for ages now. Um, and it's, yeah, like they took these warehouse spaces and divided them into a- apartment spaces. And there's tons of people who live there. And some of the apartments are like, like really shoddily slapped together. Like it's like, there's a big kind of loft area that would have just been a shelf that they stacked pallets on, you know, in the warehouse. And yeah. they just like build, build a, a ladder up to it and slap 10 mattresses on the floor. And there you go. That's a 10 person <laughs> apartment. Uh, some of the spaces are a little more put together. Like it just depends on how much, cause it's DIY. So it just depends how much effort people wanted to put into building uh, their shit in there. But um, everyone there is like, it's just such a, a tight community. Everyone looks out for each other. Everyone takes care of each other, feeds each other, takes care of each other's pets, you know, pitches in for, you know, vet bills of someone's dog needs whatever. And like, you know, they're just always like looking out for each other. Um, super tight. And yeah, they've got, there's Trackside, which is the main bar there that's been there forever. And there's a couple of other bars in the strip that kind of come and go that are again, just like, just, you know, sections of this like warehouse that's been divided up. But um yeah, it's like such a crazy, crazy place because there's always a party. It's non nonstop. If you're in one apartment that, you know, is starting to die down, people are starting to go to sleep and you're not ready, you just walk next door and there's a raging fucking party still happening. You could just go from place to place to place and never fucking stop. And I have done that uh, for weeks on end. It's phenomenal. <laughs> I, that place is like my wet dream. And I love how Nick's just like, it's terrifying. I can't believe I didn't get stabbed. Um, <laughs> I, I remember I remember when I was on tour with you guys, it was Andy's first time there and he was, he was nervous, understandably, based on Nick and your and everyone else's description of the place to him. And I remember telling him, I said, don't worry, dude, crust punks are just like dogs in the sense that if you don't show them you're afraid, you'll be fine. <laughs> and I don't think that helped. He's like, I'm more afraid. 
that was such a good time. I remember uh, uh, Steve. Steve was playing with you guys at the time. Yeah. And uh, that was also one of his, I think that may have been his first time ever being out there. And, I think you're right. Um, from, from Andy's reaction to Steve, Steve can literally, like, he's so moldable. He could just, he's like, yeah, this is where we're playing tonight. Like, this is, totally. this is it. And, uh, yeah, like, having, having the parallel of, uh, yeah, Andy, who is, I'm pretty sure, like, spent a good, like, 15 minutes, half hour in the van, kind of just kind of gathering self to, himself together, being like, <laughs> like I, they say it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. That was a great show. That was a fuck. That was so much fun. Yeah, we had a great time. That was a couple of years back now. I think that was the furthest we went on that tour was Montreal. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. That was a rough tour for me. I remember I was like recovering from a really bad concussion and I was sick. I was like super sick and super concussed. Uh, I was so out of it. I, like I feel bad. I felt bad the whole time that I wasn't like hanging out with you guys more and being more like, you know, more fun. Um, but I mean, I did still have fun despite being in such rough shape. Um, we played <laughs> that house venue in Ottawa. That was sick. We played uh, that hot dog place in Cambridge. Yeah. That like was hot, so weird. It was like a hot top dog. I can't. It was a yeah. It was definitely. A, it was like not not a venue. It was a restaurant, and not even. It was like a hallway. <laughs> oh, I don't know how to turn off like phone calls. Oh, I know how. You put it on airplane mode, right? Uh, that might that might completely disconnect you. <laughs> oh, okay. there we go. Yeah. Someone keeps calling me. I don't know how to turn off phone calls. Um, I'm still learning how to use a phone. That's fine. Yeah, no. That place was like, it was like a hallway. They didn't even serve food inside. It was, a, it was an outdoor, like, street, like, it was like a window, a vending window. But it was sick as fuck. And it was the best veggie dog I've ever eaten in my entire life. I don't even know what they did to that thing. But, like, holy shit. It was incredible. <laughs> At the end of that uh, tour we did, you guys, uh, you guys tracked and filmed uh, uh, Megat Maze with Topon. That's that's right. Yeah, we did that live off the floor thing. Oh my god, I forgot that was that tour. I was in such rough shape. <laughs> yeah, I had like no voice left because I was super sick and. We had played Montreal the night prior and everybody smokes in there because it's just an illegal fucking place. So laws don't yeah. apply. So, and like, and I mean, I was a smoker back then, but I still didn't smoke like indoors and like inhaling like 500 cigarettes worth of secondhand smoke while you're trying to do vocals while you're sick. Holy shit. I was, man, I had like no voice the next day. I'm so surprised those recordings turned out as well as they did. Like we pulled it off. I normally have a lot more range and pulverizer and I had to really narrow my range in order to not like crack but i did it um and that was super fun topon is such a sweetheart i love him so much he mastered our album as well oh nice um, the ep that's out yeah and uh yeah he was great that was really his studio is really cool and like he just took care of everything because i think we were like sharing gear with you guys and stuff too and like also like just maybe borrowing like maybe cabs and stuff along the way i forget all the details but i remember we got there we just didn't have like any gear like topon totally just set us up he's like yeah no problem what do you need got it got it like no problem uh 
took care of everything. And yeah, I did such a great job. Like those turned out really well. Yeah, totally. Uh, now, how did you guys get uh, like linked up with uh, Schizophrenic Records? Um, good question. I think, uh, well, because um, Craig, who owns Schizophrenic, he also runs the record store, Hammer City Records in Hamilton. Right. So I'm the kind of person that just like spends a lot of time just hanging out in record stores. So, and my, my joke with Craig, cause he's really reserved. He's like super fucking quiet and kind of the kind of guy, he goes to every show, but just stands in the back, you know, keeps his head down, doesn't talk to anyone. And our joke is that I'm the introvert whisperer. I'm that person who can just talk to anybody and introverts who don't like most extroverts for some reason like me. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what my superpower is there, but it's there. And so Craig and I just got along instantly. And we always joke about that because like most people, he's another one of those people that I think seems really off-putting. And I think a lot of people think that he's like an asshole because he just has this kind of really crotchety sort of demeanor, but he's such a sweetheart. Um, and so we're really close now. Like we, we fucking vacationed together. We're like, we're like tight. So yeah, and I just, I really, really respect his ethics. Like he's a hardcore anarchist super DIY and super like, like me, he's in it for the scene. He's not in it for the money or anything. Like he doesn't make anything off of his label or his store. Like he's got a real job that he uses to fund his label and his store, you know, he's doing it for the love of it. He puts so much work into it and does such a great job. And he's put out so many bands. Like at this point it's over a thousand and, uh, wow. and they're all sick as fuck. So like, I, if I could choose any label that I would want to be on, it would be schizophrenic. And, you know, I like, I had a list of labels I was going to shop the album around to, but he was the first person I asked and he said, yes. And I'm like, done, sick. Yes. That, that was my dream. That's what I wanted. So, so uh, I made pick, in heaven. Yeah. I couldn't pick anyone that I would like rather be affiliated with, you know, that's great. All right. I'm well, you know what? I think I'm going to wrap up this episode of Banecdotes. Uh, thank you so much, Bones, for taking time to do this with me. Where can the listeners find the band social medias at? Um, we have, uh, we're not great at updating social media. We've got, a, we've got a Facebook and an Instagram, but like definitely go listen to the album on Bandcamp. We do not have it on Spotify. We do not have it on any of those fucking streaming services. I'm adamantly against them, but it's free to stream on Bandcamp. Uh, I like Bandcamp because they're not corrupt and they're not exploiting artists the way that Spotify and other streaming sites are. And you can download it for pay what you can. You can buy the record on vinyl through Schizophrenic Records uh, or through me if you want to message me. <laughs> right on. Well, I've got uh, my copy right here. Fucking hey, Thanks, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're going to end the show with uh, Nightcrawler by Pisser. Thanks again for hanging out with me, Bones. Thanks for having me, Phil. So good to see you. So good to see you, too.
thank you for listening to this week's episode. The song I played in the middle there by Pisser was called Hell, and you can hear that off their EP called Breaking Chains. Go support them. Go check out their band camp. Go support the artists that really need it right now. And speaking of supporting, support us. Banecdotes. Follow, like, subscribe, rate, review. Check us out on Instagram. If you have a hard time spelling it, that's at Banecdotes, B-A-N-D-E-C-D-O-T-E-S. And if you want to be a part of the show, or if you want to just talk music, shoot me an email, banecdotes at gmail.com. I'd love to just, you know, talk music. That's why I do this. <laughs> anyway, take it easy, folks. <laughs>